Hi, I'm Fiona. And I'm Sam. This week, we were literally on the wall of the GU Politics living room, speaking with students about their take on the Virginia gubernatorial race. That's right, Sam. At the time of this recording, at 9.09 p.m., several pundits have called it for Glenn Youngkin, and a surprisingly strong showing by the GOP candidate for governor. At this point in time, it looks unlikely that Terry McAuliffe will be able to overcome his significant vote deficit. Sam, what did you find interesting about our conversations with the geopolitics community? Well, Fiona, I was really surprised by the amount of Glenn Youngkin energy in the room. I mean, we walked out there and people were coming with shirts and signs. It was a bipartisan watch party, but just the energy for Youngkin among the sort of young and politically motivated students on campus was really surprising to me. I mean, I knew that it was a competitive and exciting race, but the energy behind Young King was really something I didn't expect. How about you, Fiona? Yeah, I definitely agree with the energy behind Youngkin. In particular, the energy behind his education message. I think every single person we talked to mentioned education. I feel like that really demonstrates Youngkin's control of the messaging for the final weeks leading up to the race. And now before we share these conversations with you, Follow us on social media. Our handle is at flyonthewallpod. And if you've got thoughts on the fly, you can email us at our email address, flyonthewall at georgetown.edu. Let's get into it. Okay, Eric, thank you so much for joining us tonight. To start off with, can you just tell us who you are, where you're from? Um, my name is Eric bazali Meal. Um, I'm a junior in the School of Foreign Service here at Georgetown University. Um, I'm also the lead editor for Georgetown Institute of Politics and Public Services news blog, one of the lead editors for the blog um, called On the Record, where I mostly write about Florida politics and like state and local elections like across the country. Interesting. So it sounds like you're up to date on the political happenings of the world. So tell me, you chose to spend your Tuesday night here in the geopolitics living room watching the results, results of the Virginia gubernatorial election. So Eric, tell me, what are the pressing issues here and what are you watching tonight? Um, so, I mean, so I tweeted this actually earlier, like the two questions that I have right now are one, are schools as much of an issue as right-wing media is making it out to be? Like, are voters actually as motivated about critical race theory, masking in schools, and like school boards and domestic terrorism, like that whole narrative that's going around? Like, I don't know how salient it is. I don't want to pretend like it's not gaining traction, but like it's going to be an open question with ramifications for 2022. Like, how much is it gaining ground right now? And also, will never Trump voters back McAuliffe? Mm. Like, do they see Yunkin, especially in this like home stretch where like he was campaigning, like you know he like they pledged allegiance to a flag that was used in the insurrection, like when you know he's been like dancing very close to like Trumpian narratives. Trump has been doing events not with him in the room, but like definitely in support of him. Like, is that a boundary where never Trumpers are like willing to cross over back to the Republican Party? I think Yunkin's going to be important as like a tone border. Like how far Trump can you get before you start losing them? Mm, that is certainly the question. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Let's see what time it is here in at election night. It is 7.30. So level at this point in time, it's 7.30. Who's got it? Yunkin or McAuliffe? I'm going to say it's Yunkin. Um, mm. I think like backwards, you know, it's like that like home stretch movement and that home stretch trajectory is like pretty hard to beat. Um, plus also I've always been bearish on McAuliffe. I think the Jennifers would have been a better candidate in getting out black voters, getting women of color out to vote. They would have think they would have galvanized the national attention much more. Interesting. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us on the fly. First of many, I'm sure. Alex, thank you so much for joining us again here at fly on the wall. Uh, when last we spoke, we were talking about, 
the 2020 election, and we had to do this over Zoom. So it's so great to hear you, have you here in the geopolitics living room in person. So just for viewers who missed our last talk with you, tell us who you are, um, you know, your year and your involvement in politics. Well, thanks for having me, Sam. As you said, my name is Alex. I'm a senior in the college. I've worked on Congresswoman Nancy Mace's campaign, both during the primary and general election. Uh, that was back in 2020. And I've, since then, I've, I've interned in her congressional office. Um, so I'm just really thrilled to be here. And uh, I volunteered on this campaign as well, on the Yunkin campaign. I'm, I'm just happy to see uh, the numbers coming in. And hopefully, we're going to see a Red Virginia soon. So Alex, you are spending your Tuesday night here in the geopolitics living room. So what about this race excites you? What issues are you really interested in? Well, it's interesting because this is uh, a very much a bellwether state. Uh, it's not as much as the any particular issue per se as what this will say about 2022. Uh, I'm honestly, I mean, Yunkin has done a great job uh, making this into a, a you know a state race. Uh, He's, he's trying to say, like, I'm going to offer, you know, the, the best representation for Virginia in Richmond, uh, whereas McAuliffe, he's trying to make this into a national thing. But I think for Democrats, actually, their national agenda is, is failing right now. We're seeing with the Biden administration, uh, a lot of economic problems, inflation, COVID numbers aren't good. Uh, a lot of these problems people expected or were hoping to have been fixed by a Biden administration, uh, they've simply failed on. So I'm, I'm not actually sure that making this into a national election as opposed to a state election is actually going to pay off the way that Democrats think it will. For sure. Well, it's early in the night, so uh, we're all going to be watching, I'm sure, with bated breath to see what the results are. Alex, thanks so much for joining us on the pod. Um, anything else you'd like to say to the pod as you rejoin us here? Uh, go Yunkin. Go Yunkin. <laughs> all right, Alex, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Brady Marzen, welcome to Fly on the Wall. Uh, we're so glad to have you. You're, of course, our fearless uh, co-chair of the Student Advisory Board here at the Institute of Politics and Public Service at Georgetown University. Um, so tell us where you're from, what brought you to Georgetown, your classic Georgetown spiel. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm a senior in the School of Foreign Service, majoring in international politics, and I am the chairman, uh, co-chairman, like you said there. It's really great to be out tonight, Sam. I appreciate it. Fiona, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. So we have a great group of people in the GU Politics living room to watch the Virginia results come in. So can you speak a little bit about the energy um, at this watch party? Yeah, it's our first watch party back uh, on campus, first election day back. And we're, we've been working really hard to make the Institute the, the hub for everything political at Georgetown, right? You bring together this community of civil, decent people who are interested in public service, who are interested in politics, interested in how elections work. Decent people and flies. And flies, <laughs> a couple flies. And what you're really seeing is just an expert breakdown where you bring in fellows, right? You have Roy Cooper who worked for uh, Eric Cantor. You've got Rebecca Pierce who worked for Elizabeth Warren. You have this incredible, you have Charlotte Clymer who's been involved just on all the issues. And it's just this expert cohort who's breaking down the race. You have Mo Lathy, the executive director, who is talking about county by county, the results as they come in, telling students what it means. And I'm sure it's great for first years especially who haven't gotten the chance to see this before and who are seeing for the first time what the Institute of Politics can offer to Georgetown students. For sure. One of the things that I noticed as we were setting up for this interview is there's not many places in the country right now where you can have um, a Democratic electoral expert like Rebecca Piercy and a Republican electoral expert like Rory Cooper standing side by side breaking down a historic election like this. It's very cool to see. Yeah, and, and you see them among the students as well. 
mm-hmm. right? Where it's not just the experts who are bipartisan, but the students are too, right? You have McAuliffe signs, you have Youngkin signs, you have students from every political persuasion. I think there's even a libertarian, God bless. <laughs> uh, but it really is just an incredible community uh, of Georgetown students to say, hey, we care about the country. We care about the future of our elections. We care about seeing how these two candidates ran a really solid race and getting to see how it concludes right next door, right? We're DC. And so getting down to Virginia is just across the river. For sure. Brady, thank you so much for joining us on the fly. I appreciate it. Thank you, folks. Thank you. So welcome to the episode, Emily. Um, So before we get started, could you just tell us who you are, where you're from, what year you are, and what you're studying? Yes, thank you for having me here tonight. My name is Emily. I'm a senior in the SFS studying international politics with minors in disability studies and Jewish civilization. And I am originally from West Virginia. All right, amazing. And thank you so much once again for joining us. So what made you decide to spend your Tuesday night in the geopolitics living room watching this election? Yes, it has been a tradition both in 2018 and 2019 to come to geopolitics watch events for me. And I watched the debates in 2020 when we were on campus and uh, the early election turn-ins like the Iowa caucus, for example, maybe the last ever Iowa caucus. And so to me, just being here with people who are interested and engaged with politics and public service, whether it's from opinions, experiences, or just thoughts on the future, uh, it's really positive to be able to sit around people that you can share similar interests in. It's like people, why people like to go to a game to watch a sporting event and be around other fans. They could watch it alone, but it's also about the people you're with for the general atmosphere. Yeah, definitely. And I'm so glad that geopolitics events are back in person i imagine so are you um so since you mentioned hearing about people's thoughts we want to hear yours so why does this race tonight matter to you the elections throughout um with mainly of course virginia and new jersey reflect where people are thinking now um virginia is still a swing state um people it's an easy to forget because of the past few elections um, but it was only in, in 2019 when they swept and have all, uh, both the executive and the two houses in their state Congress. That's the only time um, in, in recent years. And so I think it's easy to forget. And you see a lot of some direct issues come up in these local races, especially the House of Delegates. And that's just fascinating to see, kind of do a rain check on where people's thoughts are. Uh, as being from West Virginia, I always have a state... Uh, kind of a weighted interest in what is happening in both Pennsylvania and Virginia, just from where I'm from. And I think this points to what we'll see as the first big hint for 2022 elections. Yeah, definitely. So everyone will be closely watching it. So what issues are going to be deciding factors in the race in your eyes? I think it's who came out to vote is the is the biggest point. It's very easy to project and look at early votes and things where we saw trends. Um, but the question is, where was their higher turnout? Did people reduce um, the difference in some areas? For example, a rural area, um, did the Democrat reduce the vote difference? Uh, and in urban areas, suburban areas, did the Republican reduce the vote difference? They don't have to win more areas. They just have to either win by more or lose by less, depending on the respective area. Um, and I think that's going to be a, a key thing for looking at this race. I think it was messaging. Um, there was, you know, reflecting on what stood out to individuals. People always point to swing voters in Virginia being suburban women, uh, like VA10, uh, ended up electing uh, 
Jennifer Wexton over Bar uh, Barbara Comstock, Comstock, who was the incumbent in part because of her specific messaging on healthcare and on gun control and gun safety. And so I think these specific issues will stand out to voters and a lot of the dialogue in the geopolitics space has been focusing on uh, matters of school, on, on parents. And the question is, what were in people's thoughts when they went in to vote? Um, so our last uh, question for the night, it is 8.49 p.m. Eastern Time on November 2nd. How would you call the race at this point in time? McAuliffe or Youngkin? My response is I wouldn't call either. Okay. I, I feel like I may be copping out with that response. <laughs> um, but if you look at even people's predictions here in the, in the living room, people are putting vote differences in the thousands, as in below 20,000. Mm -hmm. um, we know that mail-in ballots, as long as they're postmarked as of today, they can be counted three days later. And so, I, to me, it's going to be a close race. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and we've noticed that all three, the governor and lieutenant governor and the attorney general, are all very close as it stands. So there's a chance, potentially, maybe one will, will switch and, and the others don't, or one stays constant and the other two switch. Um, I know for a fact that the next lieutenant governor of Virginia will be a woman of color. I know that because the two candidates are both women mm -hmm. of color. Um, so that's, that's the one thing I, I know. And I do predict though, that the house of delegates will stay Democrat. I say that with confidence uh, right now. There's a, I think there's a chance that it, the governor may switch, but I'm going to say it, give yeah. me three days and I can tell you then. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. To begin with, can you just tell us who you are, where you're from and what your, um, political affiliation is if you're if you want yeah so i'm from st paul minnesota um i this is kind of my second year at georgetown i spent two years at fordham transferred here before last year um and so i've got a couple things going for me tonight why i'm interested uh so first this past summer as i said i was at fordham and so i spent this last summer working in new york city mayor's race um and so initially started off on scott stringer's campaign and that didn't go so well for him, but you know, I'm watching Eric Adams. I'm very invested in New York City politics because of that. Um, and then also uh, my sister is working for Terry McAuliffe. Um, so I'm paying attention to that. Um, and as you can tell by both of those affiliations, I, I'm a Democrat um, and I you know, love the Democratic Party. I, not, not, I wouldn't say I love the Democratic Party, but I love the Democratic Party policies and platforms. To the extent anyone can love their party. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I'm a firm believer in kind of liberal policies. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's my affiliation. That's my background. Sure, sure. And so zooming in, you chose to spend your Tuesday night here with us at Geopolitics watching the gubernatorial election night roll in. Yep. Um, what is particularly uh, important to you about this race uh, and how is it impacting you? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that I'm looking at with this race is, I mean, race. Um, and and the, the way that critical race theory has come into this race, and it's critical race theory doesn't exist. It's not, it's not like a real thing that is in Virginia schools right now. It's not something that's being taught, but it has become this massive issue because critical race theory is kind of this racist dog whistle. It is the equivalent of, kind of law and order that um, Nixon used. It's kind of it's it's kind of the trend of the Republican Party and it's kind of the new idea that they have, have brought up. Um, and I think that that's it's um, it's it's what I'm interested in mm -hmm. and seeing kind of how 
conservative politics have developed and rely so much on um, kind of these the, the racial dog whistles. And I've, I've written a lot of papers about it, so it's something that I've kind of paid attention to for the last um, two, three years where I've been really invested and interested in studying politics. Interesting. So, Brendan, you're sitting here with us in the geopolitics office at 8.59 on November 2nd, 2021, watching the Virginia gubernatorial uh, results come in. Um, as of right now, there have been a few pundits who have called it for Glenn Youngking. Um, obviously not your desired outcome, it yep. sounds like. <laughs> um, do you think uh, Do you think Youngkin's going to pull it out, um, and how are you feeling about the results of the race? Yeah, I think Youngkin is definitely going to win. Um, I felt kind of... Uh, I was like optimistic about Terry's chances coming in, just looking at, you know, uh, Gavin Newsom out in California far outperformed what people were expecting all summer long. Um, but that was kind of lying to myself. The numbers show that this was a very close race and that the issue about schools was, was the biggest issue. And, and this is something that voters were really fired up about. And it's something that particular Republican voters were very fired up about. Um, and Democrats didn't, didn't do a good job with their positive messaging throughout this whole campaign. Um, and as a result, they're probably going to lose. Uh, I think like it's, I'm upset it, it, as much as like I can be, you know, I'm, I mean, it's not something I'm brokenhearted about, I would say, but, um, I think it's not going to be great for people in Virginia. That's why I vote for Democrats typically. And that's why I was a big supporter of Terry McAuliffe. I thought he was going to be the better, uh, governor of Virginia, but it's something where, it's not the end of the world. There's still ways in which Democrats can make progress um, in the state and in the country. Um, but I think you know the biggest thing is the messaging. Republicans provided kind of the more positive messaging, and the Democrats didn't really didn't really do that. They they didn't really give enough reasons to vote for Terry McAuliffe. Great. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us here on the fly. We appreciate taking time out of the watching the results roll in for you to sit down with yeah. us. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Henry, thank you so much for joining us tonight. To start off, can you tell us um, who you are and what brought you to the geopolitics living room tonight? Yeah, well, thank you, Fiona. It's an honor to join. Um, so my name is Henry Dye. I'm a senior in SFS studying international political economy, and I'm here joining tonight to watch some good election results for the mainly the Virginia gubernatorial race is what I'm interested in. Excellent, excellent. So Henry, you're sitting in front of us here with a uh, Glenn Young King t-shirt on. Um, so yeah. tell us about how did you spend this election cycle? Um, you know, I know that you're active in politics on campus, yeah. and clearly you're active in politics here in the Virginia, D.C. area. Yeah. Tell us about what you were up to this past month. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely a big fan of Glenn Youngkin. Hope he wins tonight, crossing my fingers. Uh, this election cycle, yeah, I've been glued to politics for a while now, but less so, <laughs> less so this year, mainly because it's just, yeah, I mean, politics is definitely interesting. Uh, I follow it pretty frequently. But, you know, this being like the year after presidential election just took a step back a little bit. But mm -hmm. in recent months, obviously, this race has been getting close and getting exciting. So I wanted to kind of put my myself out there, do what I can uh, in the Virginia race. For sure. For sure. Um, and, you know, it's it's an interesting race. As you mentioned, it's right after um, a presidential election year. Yeah. And so the big question, I think, tonight is. What's this race about? You know, what's going to be the deciding factor? Is it local issues? Is it education? Is it national issues and everything yeah. that's packed in there? Tell me, for you, what what are issues that resonated with you that that made you want to get involved and what glued you to this particular race? What issues glued you to the race? Well, I I appreciated Glenn Youngkin 
emphasizing that, look, this is a local election. This is a Virginia election. It's about Virginians. Yes, there's so much national attention, and understandably so. This is a big election of 2021. There's not really any other exciting, contentious elections that will catch media attention. But I do think you know it's a, it's a bellwether for what issues are important next year in the midterms and even 2024. Education. I've been so adamant now that Republicans should talk more about education because, you know, the Democrats, obviously, they have their teacher unions to sort of appeal to. And Republicans have a real opportunity to say, hey, parents, students, we want to empower you to choose better schools, the better fit for your student uh, to succeed. Education is so critical. And this race, him emphasizing that, as well as all the traditional issues of economy and stuff like that, recovery from COVID, just common sense issues and positions, I think really fit for Virginia. But also they tell a story for the country as well. Mm, interesting. Well, Henry, thank you so much for joining us here on the fly. Uh, We're so excited to be able to get the student voices and catalyze this incredible course, historic election. I got one last question for you. Yeah. It's an easy one. You are early in the night. It's, Fiona, what time is it? It is 7.17. 7.17, which means that we have no idea what the results are yet. But from you, Henry, sitting in the chair right now, who do you think is going to take it? I think Youngkin will take it by a higher margin than people might expect. All right. Well, we'll see if it turns yeah. out. Thanks so much for joining me on the fly. Of Have course. a good night. Of course. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Fiona. Ian, thank you so much for joining us here on Fly on the Wall uh, on this amazing gubernatorial 2021 Virginia election night. Um, so tell us who you are, your affiliation to Georgetown, and how you got involved in uh, our civic process this year. Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm a freshman in the School of Foreign Service, so class of 2025. I'm originally from Lisbon, Portugal. That's where I came here, but I was born in New Jersey, and now I'm based, my family's based out of Texas, so I do have a bit of a complex history, but American and Portuguese, but I've always lived over there, and the main reason I got involved is that in Portugal, hardly any opportunities to get involved politically. It was very party-centric. You had to be in the party. Uh, here, it's much more open to the public. Uh, anybody can go up to the campaign, say, I want to volunteer for you. Like, I'll knock on doors, phone call, etc. And they're welcome to have, uh, they welcome you with open arms. So when I, ga- when I came here, I really, I knew I wanted to work for Glenn Youngkin and his campaign because I knew it was going to be a close race. I didn't expect it to get this close and to see the surge that's been happening over the past week. And fingers crossed that that translates into his uh, victory. But, um, yeah, it was just, I, I was dead set on working for him from the get-go. I think he's a great candidate, and I thought he was great for Virginia, so I was really motivated. And it's right by D.C. I didn't have to travel anywhere uh, to really do it, to get involved. Of course, I want to get involved in Texas when I go back, but right now I'm focusing on Virginia, especially in a, in a year where there aren't that many elections. It was cool to have one so close that is uh, nearby, right across the Potomac River. So you are spending your Tuesday night in the geopolitics living room. So what about this race excites you and what issues do you think are important and are you looking at? I think uh, it's interesting to see the composition of people in the living room. I would expect a majority Democrat as this is a college uh, campus and I bet it's a super majority of Democrats. So I figured that the room will be pretty... Uh, gloomy if Youngkin does win and very ecstatic if McAuliffe wins. But the issue that I really focused on, especially when I worked for the Youngkin campaign, door knocking on doors, trying to get people's views on uh, on the race and very engaged, especially on the Youngkin side. Uh, education was a big one, especially with parents. That's something that I really stress to them. I say, ma'am or sir, are you a parent? Do you have any kids? And if they said yes, I say, well, did you watch the debate? 
And if they said no, but I'd like to learn more, like, can you tell me? Or if they said yes, uh, they would be uh, disgusted at what McAuliffe said, that they should not be involved in their parents' education. So I use that, especially with parents. I say, Glenn Youngkin wants you to be involved in your kid's education, that what's on the ballot is your kid's future versus uh, a Glenn Youngkin, a prosperous future. And then with Terry McAuliffe, it's a, it's a doomy and gloomy one that's only going to hurt our country moving forward. And so when I put it in that terms, I just simplified it for them. I say, you want a good future or a bad future? They obviously wanted the good future. And I said, well, then you're going to, you have to turn out for Glenn Youngkin on election day or vote early. Cause that was a big thing about his campaign that was abnormal about Republican campaigns in the past. I know uh, former president Trump really relied on election day vote. He was against early voting. He said, don't trust the early voting, but Glenn Youngkin really leaned into that. And I think that that was a strategy that helped him. Uh, I mean, we'll see for sure the results tonight, whether that paid off or not, but um, it was something that we really stressed. We say, don't be afraid to early vote. Like if you're definitely going to vote for Glenn Youngkin, do it as soon as possible. Like we, we need all the support we can get. And that's generally what we got from the supporters that I talked to is that they were very enthusiastic. And when I talked to McAuliffe voters, they did come across a few. They were like, oh, no, we're all D's in here. It was one, one guy told me, and then they closed the door. They weren't willing to debate as much. But with those undecideds, education was the big thing. Crime was their big thing. Um, I actually did the pre-orientation with geopolitics, camping boot camp, and that mm -hmm. was crime was a big issue that we brought up in our ads. It was an attack ad against Terry McAuliffe. We had police sirens going up and say, do you want this to be the soundtrack of your neighborhood? And he said, if you elect Terry McAuliffe, that is what is going to happen. And with Glenn Youngkin, you're going to get a safe, uh, safe streets and, and uh, safe livelihoods. And, and so that was another thing that I stressed to voters. It was crime and education mainly. Interesting. Okay, Fiona, you know what it's time? Time for the time check. Yes, it's 8.35. Here on November 2nd in the Geopolitics Living Room 2021, watching the Virginia governor's race. Ian, clearly uh, you're a dedicated Glenn Young King supporter, but how confident are you feeling in the race? Who's going to take it, Young King or McAuliffe? I'm very confident in Glenn Young King's odds right now looking at the preliminary results. I know that there are a few election analysts on Twitter who have called it for the Republican ticket, not just for Glenn Youngkin. And I will say, uh, just add on to this, I did go to a Glenn Youngkin rally in Fairfax County. The enthusiasm was off the charts, and I felt the energy there would translate on Election Day. And if it didn't, I felt like uh, it would be very disappointing. But I think that Youngkin will pull this through. I think he's getting the votes that he needs to in the suburbs and getting the uh, rural turnout in the Trump base uh, to really pull him through. And uh, some Democrats are astonished by the results, especially in Virginia Beach. They're really astonished at how well Youngkin's doing, especially in the election day vote. I don't know if they've counted the early votes yet, but it seems like it's going very, very well. Mm, interesting. Well, I mean, certainly on both sides of the race, there's a lot of energy and anticipation to see how this race turns out. Ian, thank you so much for joining us here on The Fly. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Jack. Welcome to The Fly in the Wall podcast. It's November 2nd, looking to be a pretty historic night, so... Why don't you tell us who you are, why you're here, um, and yeah, what brings you to uh, tonight's coverage of the Virginia gubernatorial election? Yeah, yeah, cool to be here, Zan. Um, my name is Jack Healy. I'm a junior at Georgetown, and I'm here tonight just to uh, be with the geopolitics community, watch the returns come in, see what happens, and uh, see probably where we're headed for the midterms, I guess. But other than that, yeah, just here. A little bit of free food's nice, too, to be in the Baker <laughs> living room. <laughs> As, as flies, we love food that's left out in the open. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's clearly a historic election. Um, a few of the other folks we've been talking about have mentioned how this is notable because it is the year after 
probably one of the most historic presidential elections of our lifetime. So to you, what are the issues in this race? Is this a national race that has been condensed into Virginia, or is this about local issues? You know, I think, uh, and I mean, I haven't been following it that much. I think people have kind of turned off the news cycle way more compared to before our last election. Um, and so I actually think it's a lot more. Obviously, all politics is pretty nationalized now and has become more so, you know, as, as we've kind of come of age politically. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm very interested in the whole education kind of d- debate and, and messaging framing that's been going on between the two of them. I also think COVID is still playing a really big role uh, in in some of these more local elections. I think school closures, I think uh, one of our fellows, Rory Cooper, was saying that school closures is actually kind of behind some of the other issues like critical race theory or, you know, should parents have a say in education that have been brought in. So, yeah, I'm interested to see, because I'm, I'm a Democrat, but I, I actually think that, that the Dems are going to get blowback for kind of keeping those issues around. Interesting. Wow. So it's, let's see what time it is. It is 8.01 on Tuesday, November 22nd, 2021. We're just beginning to see the first vote tallies roll in. Yeah. Right now, most of the western ha- western parts of Virginia are in more, which are the more conservative areas. So Glenn Young King is ahead, but at this point in the night, still many votes uncounted, so really hard to say. But to you, Jack, at 8.01, now here in the geopolitics office who's got it McAuliffe or Youngkin am, am I on like am I on CNN am I getting paid for my prediction <laughs> <Is there any? laughs> I think uh you know I'm gonna be um I'm gonna say I saw something on Twitter last night that was like Youngkin's last rally was major Trump in Miami Florida before the 2016 election I think I think Youngkin might stun us mm. Yeah, I'm also saying that because then if I'm upset that the Republican wins, I'll be like, but I called it right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better take. than an I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I, I did the margin thing out there. I said, oh, I said only by 5,000. 5,000. It's going to be a nail-biter, especially in Virginia. It'll still be huge, and it's a great indicator of what's uh, coming next year. Yeah, if uh, if that prediction is correct, then the um, the Dems have a lot of work to do, and it's work I don't think that they, they know how to do. So, yeah, 22 <laughs> will be a bloodbath for them. <laughs> All right, you heard it here for, first, folks. Jack, thank you so much for joining us here on The Fly. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Santiago, thanks so much for joining The Fly here in the GU Politics living room watching the results of the gubernatorial election for Virginia. So tell us who you are, your connection to GU Politics, Georgetown, and, um, and your political background, if you'd like. Sure. So I'm a senior on campus uh, in the SFS, studying international political economy. And I've been associated with geopolitics for, I think this is my third or fourth semester now. Uh, I'm currently a team lead for Rory Cooper's SST. And I've worked on SSTs in the past, um, both for for Liz Smith and for Guy Benson. So I think, you know, geopolitics has become perhaps the best part of my experience at Georgetown. It's been great. And I love spending time with the guys here, you know, guys and gals. They uh, they know a lot more than me, so it's always a learning experience. The fly, the fly would have to agree with your, <laughs> your passion for geopolitics. And so you are choosing to spend your Tuesday night here in the geopolitics living room. So why is that, and why are you interested in this race? So I'll admit I'm a Republican, and, and looking at Glenn Youngkin, he's one of the first candidates in a long time that I can support, especially in this Trump era. Uh, he's a, a, a candidate that has been very exciting, and I, I live— just across a bridge in Virginia. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a race that I'm getting ads all the time about. 
it's a race that, I, that I've been following closely, and and I think it's just a great as, a, atmosphere to uh, to take in the results and you know kind of get everyone's take on on what's going to look like. Yeah. Sure, sure. And so Fiona, what time is it here on election night? It is seven thirty-seven. All right, Santiago, it's seven thirty-seven here on Georgetown's campus. Stones throw from Virginia. Who's taking it, McAuliffe or Youngkin? Youngkin. All right. I think so. <laughs> Youngkin. It's going to be close, but there's just so much enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Sunday, thanks so much for joining on the fly, and we will see what happens. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this special Virginia Election Night episode. We'll be back to our regular formatting and programming next week. Remember to follow us at flyonthewallpod, email us at flyonthewall at georgetown.edu, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Can't wait to fly with you all next week. <laughs>